Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the United States Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me as always when we talk lacrosse is Dairy Field AD and boys lacrosse coach Chris Hetler. Chris, how are you doing today? Joe, I'm doing great. What a what a week to kick off uh, to kick off the first week of practices here. Weather's been great. I think most teams have been outside. I know there's been a little snow on on some of the turfs out there, but I've, I've seen a lot of clear turf fields and uh, a lot of happy faces, a lot of happy coaches <laughs> out there right now. Um, for the first week in, in March here, getting things going, you, you couldn't ask for a much better start. I've seen a lot of photos on social media of, uh, of guys uh, shoveling snow off, of, that, off yes. of fields. <laughs> What what better you know what better workout to get you know in in the full preseason body, full exactly. body workout yeah, right there yeah, full body workout that'll pay dividends in uh, in late May early June <laughs> I hope um, well uh, of course you can listen to the show every Thursday uh, by going to nh-highschoolsports.com uh, or now you can also listen to us on uh, on wherever you get your podcasts including Spotify and Odyssey. As I mentioned last week, I would just remind you, not only does that give you the most recent episodes, but you can go back and listen to shows from our our infancy. Um, The only reason I would recommend doing that is just maybe so if you want to, you know, poke some fun at us later later on in the uh, season when you see us. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at at NHHS Sports. And you can send feedback uh, or questions there or by sending an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Now let me take a moment to tell you about our sponsor. The United States Sports Show is proudly sponsored by Prolax Customs. Located in Bedford, Prolax Customs wants to make your stick as unique as the way you play the game. It is the place to go in southern New Hampshire for custom-dyed lacrosse heads or guys if you need a stick stringing before we get into the season, you need to contact Joe. To learn more, visit them online at ProlaxCustoms.com and you can find them on Facebook and Instagram or email ProlaxLacrosse at gmail.com. And uh, if you would also like to be a sponsor for the podcast or anything else we do at the, the website, like the Coaches Poll, uh, All-State Teams uh, Watch List, those are going to be coming out in a couple of weeks, or, or coverage of a specific team or school, please send an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. And for anybody out there listening right now, if you need sticks, I would get those orders in now. Joe is uh, he is extremely busy right now. He's got a lot of, lot of orders and a lot of business going on right now, but he's happy to do it. And um, I know I gave him a batch. We had our middle schoolers come out, do a little little preseason, uh, you know, passing and catching here before before the season gets going. And I saw a lot of, lot of sticks that needed some work there. And, and Joe graciously came over and grabbed a batch for me and uh, – He'll have those ready to go for uh, for April third for the start of the middle school season here for us. Yeah. Also, we just want to say thanks again to Joe for being a sponsor. And I and I honestly, I can't think of a, a better partnership in terms of, of sponsor and pro, you know than than having um, Prolax Customs be a sponsor for this show. It feels like we're we're a great fit there. Absolutely. You know, it's been a, I think it's it's been a win win for both uh, for both parties here. So again, thanks to Joe. And uh, but I'm excited to kick things off here. I think we're going to we're going to do things a little bit differently this year uh, in terms of, you know, our preview things. I think you wanted to do burning questions for each, uh, yeah. each division, right? Yeah, I feel like um, just try to mix things up a little bit rather than, you know, we every year we get coaches that send in um, info about, you know, their kids that are coming back, their their top players, their new players that they you know expect to have good years. And, and while I will still be doing a written form of that uh, on the website. Um, you know, if we're just sitting here reading off names, it's, I can imagine it's a little tough to, to take, uh, after we get through a couple of teams. And I think it's tough for us to do, you know, and we, we miss, and we, we miss, miss some, kid, we, we miss, miss some people. people yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I think yeah. you got some good questions written here. We're going to focus on division one this week and we got 12 burning questions, I think you got one for each one for one each for, team, right? yep, one for every team. Um, I might regret doing that next week when we're trying to do <laughs> Division Two, um, but yeah, let's jump right into it. So we'll start we'll start with uh, with the defending champs, uh, Bishop Girton. You know, you look at last year's roster, and um, they didn't lose a ton. Um, you know, th- there were seniors on the on the team last year, um, played key roles, but they got a lot of guys coming back this year with a lot of experience. But I think there were three key guys that they they lost. Um, from a year ago in three different spots. And that's, you know, a face-offs with, with, with J.J. Murphy. Uh, on defense, Nick Dahl, their, their top defenseman, um, you know, he graduated as well. And then uh, I, I'm, I'm going to mispronounce his name because I always forget how, but Quinn Sepiel? Quinn Sepiel, yep. Um, you know, at kind of what, attack? Um, yeah. He's also gone as well. 
So that's three spots that I think if you were a lot of teams, you'd look at and go, wow, um, we might have some holes to plug. How does BG fill those those holes this year? Well, I think, like you said, they, they return a lot. They have, uh, they have a talented senior class, and they have a really talented junior class. Uh, and I think you're going to see a lot of those guys uh, step up for them this year. Um, you know, uh, on attack, I think you're going you're gonna to look to – they've got some guys in the senior class. Aiden Lorendo, who's already committed to Merrimack. Um, he, he's, as a senior this year, he's going to look to play a huge role – Emerson Warren, uh, as a senior this year, could could play a role in there, and I think you got Jacob Karen as, as a senior this year. So those three on attack, I think, could help fill that void a little bit, um, you know. And then and then obviously you have um, you've got guys in the in the senior class like Connor Bouvier and Tim and Tim Kylie who can you know they're they're kind of Swiss Army knives and they can Timmy's more of a midfielder, but Connor can play both. Um, you know, I think those guys, those guys will be there. And then of course you got Brady Dumont, right. Who had an exceptional year as a sophomore last year. Um, you know, he'll be a mainstay at attack for them this year too. Connor Gabord at the midfield. I mean, they, they've got so many weapons. Um, you know, I don't think putting the ball in the back of the net is going to be an issue for them this year. No, I, I think it's, it's I, maybe for, for the two, you know, for the attack and defense spots, it's more, you know, it's not going to be one guy that replaces that right. guy. It's it's going to be a committee kind of thing, and and they certainly as you as the names that you just mentioned off, they've certainly got the the offensive firepower to, to you know. That's kind of what I was alluding to. Yeah, I think they've yeah. got a lot of guys that can play. You know, they're they they've kind of embraced being lacrosse players, right? Like they they can play a lot of different positions. I think if you watch them play indoor, um, really impressive in in terms of what they what they can do, um, you know, in different spots on the field, you know, and they've kind of embraced that. And I think that's what college coaches are looking for more now, too, is guys that uh, can play lots of different roles and, um, and score in lots of different ways. You know, defensively, um, I, I think you got to start with Alex Dumont. I mean, I think that's, that's a name that jumps off the page and a guy whose play jumps off the page there on defense um, for them. I think Dylan Young is going to be another player for them. Uh, Colin Rourke, um, you know, so they've got they've got some guys that will be, you know, um, that have experience and are and are going to be, uh, you know, mainstays for them. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting if you go back to that 2021 season, they had a, a trio of of poles who were kind of like that. It, it, they were all good enough to be the guy, but they um, they kind of shared that. A lot duty, of matchups yeah. depended on the game, the team they were playing. And yep. then you could you probably look at this year's group, those three guys that you mentioned, and it's a, it's maybe a similar situation um, where at any any game, any particular game, one of those guys can be kind of the shutdown guy and and go. You know, if they got to you got to put them on one other person on the other team, you can can fill that role. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, I'd throw Charlie Bellavance in there, too. I think he got some, he's he's you know, he got some good time in the, in the past. And I think he's there. You know, and then and then you've got the really interesting, you know, goaltending situation, right? Where you've got you've got really really talented goaltenders in each class, all the way from senior all the way down to freshman class. You know, who who steps up for them? Zach Connerty obviously has been a net for the last few years for them, winning championships. Um, but I, I think any of those guys, it could it could even be a matchup thing. You know, coaches got the luxury of kind of seeing the strengths of these guys at practice, and then and then possibly you know doing a rotation or you know, having like, hey, if, if somebody's having an off day, it doesn't mean, you know, you're no longer the starter. It just means, hey, we got to we got to get the W today and we're, you know, this guy's going to come in there and get the job done. And then that third spot face off guy, um, tough to replace a, a guy like J.J. who, you know, was was a, a, a starter there for what the last two years would have been in 2020. And then also, you know, got time as a freshman as well. Um, so, I mean, that's a, that's a huge hole to fill. It is a huge hole to fill. Um, they were, they were lucky. They had, uh, Paulo Vasquez come in from Hillsborough Deering. Um, you know, he was, he was, uh, arguably the top face-off guy in division three last year as a freshman. He comes in and I think he, he's going to quickly establish himself as not only, uh, you know, one of the top guys in division one, but, but overall there, um, you know, there's a few guys and we'll get into it. That'll have a, uh, that'll have a say in that matter. But, uh, you know, he, he, did, he puts a lot of work in, he's a competitor, he's strong, um, you know, and, uh, I, I expect him to, to pick up where, where JJ left off last year. All right. Well, I think that wraps up question one nicely. Uh, question two, we're going to take a look at Exeter here. And, um, of course the, the runners up, uh, to BG the last two years. Um, you know, I, I think a year ago we were looking at them and saying, 
where were they going? We knew they were going to be good, but how good were they going to be? And they were they pretty lost damn good. A ton of seniors, and they were very good last year. Um, there were only two losses to Bishop Girton, uh, which included some pretty good out of state wins. And looking at their schedule, they've scheduled some pretty good out of state games again this year. Um, you know, looking at at a stretch that they have mid season starting April eighteenth, uh, going into early May, they have, there's a seven game stretch in there that. They got to stay healthy. They got to stay healthy. It is brutal. Um, starting with that April 18th, they host Bedford. Then on the 20th, they host Pinkerton. They get some time off there. Maybe they, you know, enjoy the beginning of vacation week and you know, not have to, you know, rest up there. April 26th, they come back and they go to Portsmouth. They turn around the following day and go to BG. The first of two games against BG this year. May 1st, they host Nashua North. May 2nd, they host Bishop Girton again. Play them again. And then finally on the fourth, they go to Lincoln Sudbury, which is one of a handful of really good. They've also got Acton Boxborough later on in the year. Um, they play Melrose as well uh, for an out-of-state game. I believe both of those are at home. Um, but that seven-game stretch there, um, you know, what's a reasonable record for the Blue Hawks to have when they come out of that? I, well, and that that's what I think that's what I think is is going to be interesting to see is like how does that out of state schedule you know we we can look at BG's schedule and and Pinkerton's schedule and Londonderry and some of these teams I think the out of state games are really going to play a huge role in in where the playoff seedings uh, line up right like I, I think coming into the season a lot of people would would put BG and Exeter one two right and expect them to play in the finals but. We may not get that matchup because of that, right? There may be a semifinal matchup, um, you know, some unexpected, some unexpected seedings because of that, right? BG's got a really tough schedule. Um, I would, I would say, you know, I think, I think if they can, I think Exeter would reason. I, I, I think Coach Brewster would say, hey, we didn't put them on the schedule to lose, right? We're, we're expecting to win all those games, but I think if you can come out of that stretch with with uh, three losses or less. Yeah. I think you'd be looking at a really good, you know, you've tested your team. You've gone up against some really good uh, competition there. Maybe now you were able to play some more guys and, and, and get tested for the playoffs. And I think that would I think that would more than secure them. If they came out with three losses or less, I, I would expect them still to be in the top two. Um, but, again, I, don't, I think Coach Brewster would be like, look, we put all these teams on here because we believe we can beat them, and, and they're going to test themselves. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I would see it. And there's no reason why – they can't win every one of those games. If you look at their roster, they're a really talented team. Again, a team blessed with goaltending. They've got two good goaltenders and Burnich and Tapman. Um, you know, so they they've got some. They, they've they've got a chance to, to again go for the go for the championship this year. Two, two goalies who looked really good during indoor season. Um, you know, for what for what it's worth. I mean, they they swapped out when they were both there. Um, you know, played half and a half. It felt like, and sometimes it was hard to tell which. You know. They were interchangeable. I mean, they, they they both played outstanding there. And then the other guy that really caught my eye, um, maybe not as much a surprise, is uh, Gavin Lechner. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't manchild. Yeah, holy he, cow! He, did he like he just much? sprouted? Like he was always a big kid to begin with, but man, he okay. looks like he is going to be a matchup problem for people this year. Yeah. Um, you know, he's going to draw double teams. He's going to get guys open because of that off uh, um, off ball. Um, coming in this, you know, Owen Williams, different skill set, a little bit shorter, quicker. Um, you know, crafty player, good change of direction, great shot on the run. You know, he's going to be an issue for them. And, um, you know, I don't, Joe, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, during the indoor season, they also had a nice pickup. Um, Matt Moore from Phillips Exeter has rejoined uh, the Exeter squad. He's from, from Exeter in town, and uh, he, he will be joining them this spring too. So that's that's a potent attack yeah. lineup right there yeah. if they choose to play all three of them at attack. Um, you know, they do, you know, Tanner Smith returns on defense. They did lose some senior defensive depth there, um, so that'll be interesting to see who steps up on defense for them. But you know, looking at them indoor, they're big, they're physical, they're fast. Um, you know, I, I think even if you don't recognize the names, I think you're going to recognize them by the end of the year. Got some momentum off that too. Not that it's you know translates one to one, but they they pulled out that uh, yeah high division purple division win, uh, beating both BG teams in that. So um, yeah, nice way to, to to get ready for the spring. And that's what I mean. Box really catches your eye because it, it showcases it in the style that we play, right? When we're playing the the six on six, seven with a goalie, and you got poles out there, it's a it's a confined space. You know, you, you're you're getting up and down the field really quickly. Things change when you get out on an open field, and you, and you've got ten guys out there, and and you can do some different things defensively. But man, if you let them running gun, they are going to be they are going to be a team tough team to stop this year. 
All right, on to uh, to question number three here, and uh, I I mean this uh, this one might be a bit of a no brainer, um, but uh, my question is, how much of a difference does Cole Frank, uh, face off guy extraordinaire, uh, make for Pinkerton? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think the question is, is kind of is kind of obvious there with the way the game is now. Having a dominant faceoff, uh, having someone that that dominates the faceoff X, it it allows you to play make it take it. So you know we we know coming into the season that Pinkerton returns a pretty strong offense. You've got guys like Ryan Lynch, you've got uh, Joey Gallo coming back. Um, you know they're going to be able, to, they're going to be Michael Uber, they're going to be able to score. Um, and if they can keep possession, it's almost as good as, as having a strong defense. I mean, Pinkerton's still going to be. You got Cam Leeds coming back. They've got good goaltending, but this is going to give them an advantage over a lot of other teams that maybe if they didn't have a dominant faceoff guy. I mean, Cole coming into the season, he's he's definitely you know I would say he he's the number one until Paulo takes that away from him or somebody else in the division steps up. He is the guy. He he is the guy that everyone's going to be looking at in the faceoff X there. It gives them a puncher's chance in every single game that they play, right? I mean, even if you're if you're BG and Exeter, you got to understand that you've got to somehow create you know, a 50-50 ball on that face-off X and, and get more possessions. Otherwise, you know, Exeter is. They're going to be able to. I think as we talk about the division and the teams that are going to be fighting for those top four spots, this gives them an advantage over some of those other teams that maybe we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah, I, w- I would say this, you know, having um, Frank takes them from maybe being the top of the the rest, makes it a, makes it a big three team top teams instead of a big two um that that you know Pinkerton's a solid team all around they've got like you mentioned you know guys on offense guys on defense strong goaltending you add in uh, an elite face-off guy and I think that that takes them to another level um you know yeah. and and they've got they've you know you're we talking earlier about scheduling they once again have have put together a strong out-of-state schedule um you know and it gives them a pretty good chance I think in most of those games as well Absolutely. And, you know, Coach Goudreau, he's he's a master at knowing how to utilize the the, the pieces that he has. He's going to play to his team's strength um, and having Cole there allows him to kind of to kind of game manage a little bit with that. Right. They they may have to be a little bit grittier and at times slow the ball down. But, that, you know, with with Cole there, they're going to that that's going to allow them to do that. Um, having a dominant faceoff guy gives them the option that they can either play man-to-man or they can play zone, right? Because they're going to be able to, in a lot of games, they're going to be able to control the pace of play. All right, so the next question is a, a, a bit of a two-for-one because uh, I, I think the next two teams maybe that, that we're looking at, um, you know, projected order of finish in the division, both have similar, you know, similar storylines going into this year, and that's Bedford and Londonderry. Both with new head coaches, um, you know, both lost some some talent uh, from last year's team. Londonderry, I think, a little bit more so than Bedford, and both have you know a pretty strong group coming back. Um, you know, are we going to see major changes out of either one in terms of of style and philo- You know, those those kind of things, or or you know, are these going to look like your typical Bedford Londonderry teams that are are pretty good? I think you're going to see two teams that are going to evolve because of the culture that the coaches are trying to install into the into the teams that they have uh, that they have currently. Um, I think they're two teams that are on the rise. Um, you know, if you start with Bedford, right, Coach Drew Boudreau and and Matt Howe, who who was a, an alum of the program, both those guys are super invested, right? They're they're doing things to actively change the culture to get guys in Bedford to have pride in being a bulldog, right? And, and they're doing a lot of stuff. They had early morning workouts. They're doing stuff on social media, challenges for their players, um, you know, and, and instilling a belief that, look, we're a really good team, and we're going we're gonna to go out there and assert our will on teams. They're going to start on defense. I mean, both Drew and Matt are, are defensive guys, um, but they've got – I would say they've got a really solid core coming back on offense. Um, you know, they, they – They've got some freshmen that are going to come in and help them on offense, and I think this is a team that that's probably a year or two away from really making a run at being one of the top two teams in the division. But they are not going to be an easy out for any team this year. Um, do you see it any different with them? I think. Well, you know, you mentioned defense, um, but I think the big question mark for them is is who's who's taking over in goal. You know, you, Desmond you're, you is lose a kid. Desmond is Matt, a big yeah, loss. Matt Desmond was a, a two year starter, I believe, and they. You know they were a, a strong defensive team last year. 
in large part because of of him and 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 Parker Henrichon. Um, you know, but then I think they kind of flip it this year. I mean, if you look at what they've they've got offensively this year, they're going to be a little bit better on that end. Um, but that's I guess that's the big question that I, I have with Bedford is who's who's stepping in um, to that spot at, at, at goal. It, not only that, but then, you know, what style are they going to be able to play? Right. Are you know, I, I think, like I said, with with their. They've got a good core they can put out on offense, but I don't know that they're going to be that deep this year. I think a lot of the younger kids, they're going to need time to develop. They've got good skills and things like that. But when you're playing a BG and Exeter teams that are able to roll out a more junior or senior heavy class, um, especially on offense and defense, um, I don't know that you're going to be able to play a running gun style. I think they're still going to have to grind out, you know, the, those nine, seven, ten, eight type of wins. Five to you know, two, I think. Five they had to against two. Pinkerton five to last two. year. Yep. yep. Um, you know, game, games like that still. But as the season evolves, I think you're going to see guys step up. You know, um, I, it, it's an interesting group. I, I like I like the I like this team. I will say, you know, whoever it does end up being that plays in goal has uh, a pretty good uh, coach to fall back on there. And in, in Matt Howe, um, probably one of the better goalies I think I've covered over my my time um, doing this, um, you know, and, and, and certainly a great guy to learn from. Absolutely. So they're going to have they're going to have a strong, you know, again, they get, they've got a strong coaching staff. It'll be, you know, the defense and goaltending, I think, will be there. And then it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that offense evolves this year um, in terms of what style they play. You know, and then you look at Londonderry's maybe a little bit you know, different that the goaltending, I think, and defense maybe are in there. Um, you know, and then you look at it's uh, Dave Wiedenfeld comes in. Um, you know, certainly a guy that's familiar. In the program. Yeah, invest, yep. <laughs> certainly a guy that that is familiar with what it takes to play lacrosse and be successful in lacrosse at Londonderry. You know, having played there, um, been a multi-sport athlete at Londonderry as well, so he knows. You know, you got a lot of kids. I feel like that's one of the still one of the the bigger schools that has that. Where you know, a lot of these kids, you know, we're seeing a lot of kids at indoor doing you know from this school and that school. Londonderry, some of those kids aren't there because they're playing basketball, they're playing hockey. You know they're doing track. They're they're doing a lot of different things, and um, I feel like it's a broken record. Every year we get to the end of the season, we're like, "Whoa, <laughs> look at the graduating class!" This you know that well, it's a, a little How smaller, a little replay? smaller last little year. I think it was only I think it was year. only ten, <laughs> only not like twenty seven or whatever it was a couple years ago. But but it it just seems like every year they have a lot of athletes come out. I agree with you. I think Colby Walden is is firmly entrenched in the goal there. Um, he had an impressive indoor season this year. Um, definitely a game changer for them capable of making that game-changing save and, and shifting momentum so that's a that's a great place to start there um you know and then I think over time as coach Wiedenfeld I think if he can get more of these we've talked about it before if he can get more of these athletes to become less seasonal lacrosse players and more you know I would say lacrosse sport first then London area is going to be extremely dangerous over the next couple of years um they've always got good numbers and it, and it tends to be a lot of juniors and, and seniors. So you're going to have, you know, fully developed athletes going out there playing. And it'll be scary if they can get if they can get those guys as lacrosse first guys. So, yeah, Bedford and Londonderry, um, some question marks. But I think a, a lot going on with both programs that they're going to be right there um, fighting for one of those top four spots, um, you know, as, as the season winds down. Uh, question number six, I, I want a little uh, want a little Jeopardy style on you here. Um, to mix it up. Um, so my statement for this, or, or I guess the answer to the question, and, and there will be some football folks who, you know, if you're, you're listening to this podcast too, you'll recognize the name, but in the lacrosse community, I'm not sure how many people will. So it is Merrimack has maybe the best uh, long pole and best athlete that you've never heard of. I would agree. I, help, me, help me pronounce his first name. Who the, so the 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 question is then who is Romello Hyde? I I would agree I would agree with you as a senior this year, dynamic athlete, um, you know, playmaker on the defense for them. I I he doesn't he doesn't get a lot of you know there are some really good polls in the league, but he should be getting more press than he does. Um, you know, and again, that's a great place for that's a great place for them to to be able to start and and hang their hat on. Um, guy that's going to make you know plays all over the field. Um, I believe it's it was Nolan Anderson that I watched play indoor this year uh, in goal for them coming in as a senior this year. Um, you know, again, a kid that that makes a lot of saves gets hit a lot with the ball. Uh, definitely not. Definitely not scared. He I know he frustrated some of my guys at times this year. 
um, you know, during the indoor season there with, with the saves that he made because he was so good at, at getting his body behind it. Um, you know, and again, I think you mentioned it uh, in one of your previews that you put up online. It's a team that, that didn't graduate a ton of guys last year. They come in no. with some good experience. Um, you know, they, they're a dangerous team this year. I, I should have had this in, in front of me uh, to start um, with talking about Hyde, but I, I wanted to pull up again his uh, – he had one of the, the most absurd stat lines I think I've ever seen in a football game uh, from, from when Merrimack uh, knocked off Bedford uh, this past football season. And, and it's – you know, you're saying, oh, Joe, why are you bothering doing this and, and wasting our time um, trying to find it? But it was, it was just that, that ridiculous. Um, he had 47 carries, 268 yards, three touchdowns, and he also caught another three passes for 13 yards. So he touched the ball 50 times out of 71 plays. I, I mean, that's How's just... How's he even walking after that? <laughs> exactly. Holy cow. Um, just an absolute um, monster uh, in that game. And, and, he, and, I mean, that's... How many times have you, have you probably heard coaches look at stuff like that and see a guy do that on a football field and say oh man if we could get a pole in that guy's hands and that's well, that's the tough that's the tough part is lacrosse has evolved from those times like you used to be able to really just do that right you used to be able to take those great athletes and you still can but they have to put in a little bit more work than than what was required in the past lacrosse has become such a skilled sport that even the greatest athletes if they don't have the stick skills if they really don't have the iq they're at a huge disadvantage out on the field, and you can quickly make an amazing athlete look silly in this game because, like, it does require such coordination between hands, eyes, and feet that if you haven't practiced it, it's a little bit harder than what it used to be. Able to, and they've changed the rules to be more offensive-friendly. Like, a guy like that used to be able to give him a pull, say, yeah, hey, just go take that guy out, <laughs> right? Go hit him. And, and you just can't, you can't do, yeah, you just can't do yeah. that anymore. Um, but, hey, I'll, I'll take a kid like that any day. Um, you know, they also also want to mention, too, they've got some, some pretty good mil- midfielders coming back, too, and, and Ryan Resendez, uh, Jackson Forbes, um, Trent Jackson, who was the, the quarterback on the football team, and uh, uh, Connor Dunn. Um, those first few guys, all seniors, Dunn, a, a junior for them, uh, and Kyle Dunn uh, coming back at attack. So, I mean, this is another team, you know, we mentioned Bedford, Londonderry having a shot at that fourth spot. I'd put Merrimack in that mix, I, too. I would definitely put Merrimack in that mix. It'll be interesting. Again, in, in this day and age, right, you need really good goaltending and you need a face and you need a face-off uh, person at the X. So it'll be interesting to see how those things evolve for Merrimack. But if they come together, yeah, this, this is a team that's definitely in contention for a top four, final four spot this year. All right, question number seven. Uh, Concord – Playoff team last year, um, you know, looking to looking like they're gonna. I know they again. They were another, right there with were, Merrimack last year. Had some great games with Merrimack. They kind of, yeah. Games. They had a couple of games. I think at the end of the year that that they dropped close ones. That kind of they were looking at maybe a five six finish. Lost a couple games that kind of pushed them down, um, but certainly a successful year last year, getting into the playoffs. Lost a little bit um to graduation but it sounds like but return a really strong you know big and strong senior class this year a team that i i think is going to play with a lot of confidence um coach smith i think mentioned to you that brody mcgonigal who lost a lot of last year is back this year he'll be strong for them at the midfield uh frederick tarbell at the midfield they're going to be able to they're going to be able to get up and down the field and i think again a team kind of like merrimack where they're going to rely on their athleticism physicality multi-sport athletes um and coach smith does a great job of coaching them up so you know they're they're another team that i think is in that mix for definitely a playoff team this one we went full answer before i mentioned the question but the i guess i guess the question was is how how much are they going to have to rely on those the experience on offense because on the defensive side they did they're replacing a lot, a lot. they I, I mean from from what i understand they're basically replacing their defense I think they have a goalie with some experience, but not super experienced. Um, so, yeah, again, a team that's going to need to develop a, a pretty good faceoff guy, and and they're going to need to control. They're going to need to control the ball. But again, Coach Smith is a really good lacrosse coach. He he understands the way the game, um, the way the game works, and and he's able to play to his team's strengths. So again, I, I think it'll be interesting to see this team's identity this year too, and how they approach different games and how they need to. Uh, you know, at times frustrate teams. They've got a great home field advantage up there, right? <laughs> I mean that that grass field. I mean, it's I've been there. It frustrates people, right? Like you gotta you gotta know how to shoot on it. 
um, you know, and you catch it on the wrong day, you got the wastewater treatment plant there right in your face. So, you know, it's, uh, it is a, it is a nice home field advantage for them. And they, they definitely have more home games on their schedule, uh, than, than away games, especially to start, um, what are we looking at? Six of their first eight games at home. Uh, but, but some of those games, you've got Bedford, Scarborough, Yarmouth, uh, Londonderry, Merrimack, um, are, are those games. So, they got some home games, but there's some tough home games to open the year. Yeah, and I was pressed. They, they, they again, they, they got a good out-of-state schedule, too. They've got some main teams coming down to them. Yarmouth's coming down. Uh, you, you mentioned Scarborough. Um, you know, so they, they've, got a, they've got a full, almost full, they've got a 17-game schedule. Um, you know, if things, again, if things fall right, I think they're a similar team to Merrimack where they can be in contention for, for one of those top playoff spots. All right, question number eight. Is Dover's Dom Shalafor the best goalie in D1 that we've never talked about? I would 100% agree with you on that. Um, you know, and I, I feel awful that we really didn't touch on him last year a whole lot. Um, you know, I think um, Liam, Coach, Coach Murphy's got – he's got a good backstop back there. That, this kid makes saves, and, and not only that, but he's able to get the ball out. He's an active, he's an active goaltender. He can clear the ball himself. He can start fast breaks. Um, they, they play a good defense in front of them. A lot of times they're, they, they've got a tough zone in front of them. They can play man-to-man when, when needed. Um, he's a high-level goaltender. It's, I, I, I think he is in that discussion of, for one of the top goaltenders in, in D1 this year. Again, hard to compare you know, some of the other goaltenders playing out at really strong out-of-state schedules. Um, but you know, Dom is seeing a lot of rubber every single game. Right. And and he holds up and, and watching him play indoor, which is not a goalie friendly uh, environment. He he did a hell of a job yeah. this winter. Yeah, he was very good. Um, you know, when I got to see him in indoor, you mentioned he sees a lot of shots. He might see even more to start the season because they lost all or their top four polls from last year. Uh, so they're going to re- need to rely heavily on him to start the year. Um, but I mean, he, watching him, he seems like he's more than capable of, of taking on. Uh, that kind of task. Yeah, you know, I haven't gotten a chance to really talk to Dom, but I got to imagine, you know, um, he's going to have he's going to have a lot of great options for college there. Um, I think I think he's definitely going to have a lot of tape he can share <laughs> yeah. from from uh, from getting shots and things like that. Um, but uh, he's yeah, I, I would I would agree with you. Definitely one to watch if you haven't seen if you haven't seen Domer, Dover and Dom play this year. Definitely get out to see them. It's it's a treat. He's a he's a great goaltender, and uh, excited to watch him this year. You know, in an interesting situation, um, you know, Coach Murphy had mentioned to me that um, you know they've only got seven seniors this year, which in in his time there, that's the lowest number they've gone into a year with. Usually, they got almost double that. Uh, so this is a team, you know, that that can have success this year, um, and then build on it. and build on it. Yeah, that 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 you know the next two years for Dover. Um, and, and, you know, and hopefully beyond as well. But, but I mean, they could be a team on the rise, you know, yeah. even if they, they get off to a rough I mean, start this year. You and, you and I talked about it. it. They just need to weather – they need to weather that storm in the beginning and, and you know, get through that. But, you know, I think Division One in terms of the top eight teams being able to make the playoffs, I think I would agree with you after the first three or four spots, it's pretty wide open in terms of, like, what teams can make it. I don't think there's anyone coming into the season in Division One that's looking at it and say we got no shot to make the playoffs. I, I, if I mean, every single team there, if they play well, they can get one of those top eight spots to, to get into the playoffs. I think that's a good segue into our into question number nine. Uh, does making the playoffs in Division Two last year help put Manchester in a good spot to make the playoffs in D one this year? As as we talked about last week, uh, the Manchester United team, uh, the Kings. Uh, m- making the move back up to Division One after Memorial and Central had been down for in Division Two for a couple of years, and the combined team was down um, down there last year, uh, and they were a playoff team last year. Um, I think I want to say they won eight, seven or eight games a year ago. Um, just that experience. I mean, I, obviously it's different competition um, going up to Division One, um, but just that experience of knowing that they've been a successful program uh, or, or had a successful, you know, coming off a successful year. That's got to give them a step ahead just going into this season, I would think. Yeah, I, I think it does. I think Coach Novel's, uh his energy, his passion, uh, the numbers that they were able to get out, right? F- they, 50 kids, I think he said, this year. Right, yeah. full, J, full JV team, 
you know, uh, allows them allows them to play probably more seniors and juniors, you know, physically stronger, able to withstand a D1 schedule. Um, I think all those things put Manchester in a really good spot um, and capable of contending for one of those top eight spots there. It is obviously an uphill road, but, the you know, the other thing is, you know, with Division One this year, they were given, with only 12 teams, they were given an 11-game schedule, right? So then they could kind of add the games that they wanted to into that mix um, from there and allows them to create a schedule that, you know, again, probably gives them uh, a little bit more of a chance in some games instead of having to play a BG twice or a Pinkerton twice or an Exeter twice. You know, um, I do think, you know, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but I, I remember you and I talking. They did challenge themselves. They, the they've got the, they they've in. got jump right into the fire uh, starting off the year there. Um, of course, the NHIA hasn't updated uh, who's in Division One and who's in Division Two yet. You got to toggle back and forth um, between yeah, the tabs yeah, there. I think Manchester's got, probably still, yeah, still we've in got the Division Keen, Two tab. Keenan Sauhegan's still showing in Division One and, and Manchester and uh, Division Two here. So bear with me a second. And, and Bowen, Division Two. Um, yeah, they open the year with, with back to back games against Pinkerton and, and BG. Um, which Test your depth right away. Get, it, get, it, <laughs> get them out of the way. Uh, why not? Um, you know, but then they've got uh, a bunch of games. They got two games each with North and South. Um, you know, they got Salem on there, um, Londonderry Concord. So, I mean, it's, I mean, of course they play everybody in division one, um, you know, and then they've got an interesting game against Trinity, uh, later in the year too. So certainly, a a, 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 a outside of those first couple games, you know, a very reasonable schedule. Um, and I think, yeah, I think this, this is like you said, there's no one going into the year in division one that I think that says, we just have no shot of making the playoffs, and I certainly would think that that um, that experience puts Manchester maybe ahead of a couple other teams. Absolutely. Um, I again, I'm excited to see how they do up there. I wish them I wish them the best of luck, and uh, you know, I want to. I'm I'm rooting for them. They're I think they're the people. They're the people's team right now. We want to we want to see Manchester continue to do well. Um, you know, uh, it, co. Their, their athletic director, Christine, worked really hard to pull this thing together. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, uh, Central had lost their team and then, um, you know, worked worked to combine those two teams yeah, together right, right. And, and really went out of her way to make this thing happen. And uh, I'm just thrilled that, that these guys, that, that the numbers have grown the way that it has over the year. It's great. It's great to see the sport of lacrosse thriving in Manchester right now, and we want to, want to make sure it continues that way. It's question 10. Uh, with all the change that's gone on at Nashua South in the off season, with with a new new head coach, almost an entirely new roster. Um, I think they only had a handful of kids coming back. Um, is it almost like starting? I say it was less than ten, like based on yeah, last year's I, roster. I believe that's right. It was like yeah, seven or eight they guys. Ha- they didn't have a JV team last right. year. Um, they've maybe got one or two starters back. Is it like starting a new program almost? I mean, anytime you bring in a new coach, I mean, uh, you know, Coach Delanois is coming in. He's an experienced coach. He, he's coached at the, high, at the high school and college level. He was a, he was a great player. Um, anytime you bring in a new coach, you're definitely you're going to have a culture shift. It, it is going to be like starting a new program, but for sure with these guys. It, I mean, I'm sure they were able to rally the troops, probably got some athletes to come out, right, from, from, other, from other programs. Um, but they're going to be relying on a lot of young kids this year, freshmen, sophomores, um, guys without a lot of experience. So again, this is kind of going to be a building season for them. Um, I think if Coach Delanois takes the right approach to it, um, you know the Nashua Blast program has always been strong, and you know we'll we'll continue to feed them. He just needs to keep these guys positive. I think this year and and get them to see the bigger picture. I know that's hard when you're when you're a senior, you know, juniors and seniors. I don't I don't have their roster in front of me. I don't know how many juniors. Do you, do you have that? I have last year's roster here, right. um, and I'm trying to trying to count um, 13 seniors a year ago out of a roster of 24. So presumably 11 kids coming back, um, you know, looking over the roster, and, you know, Cody Good, um, Sev Johnson, I know those guys are, are returning. Um, but outside of that, um, you know, it's a lot of guys that, that didn't see, you know, on, not on, t- on, on top of just not having a ton of guys back, some didn't of these see didn't a see a lot of, of time because right. they were playing behind so many senior, so many good seniors. Right. So I, I mean, I think that that's just it. You've got to have you got to have the right mindset coming into the season. We're going to try and be as competitive as we can in every game. We're going to be positive. We're going to build for the future. 
I mean, I, if you're coached Illinois, I don't think you take that job if you don't have if you don't have that long term approach to it and long term look at hey, we've been here, we were able to build the program before, we're going to build it back up again. Got to get the youth program going again, and um, you know, I I think they can. Um, and like we said, even as young as they are, there's there's no reason why they can't compete for one of those top eight spots. You know, and and you know maybe they can hopefully you know draw a little inspiration. Of course, you know losing. Um, I, I know Bill Monson had stepped down at the end of last season, but, you know, just um, not seeing him. We weren't going to see him on the sidelines anyways this year because of that, but um, his passing just has, has got to hopefully hopefully can maybe fire him up um, in some kind of way and they can play play for his memory. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Like you know, I think I think anything, you know, anytime I think you can look back and you can kind of say when times are tough, you can say, you know, Coach Munson helped to, helped to build this program. He had a lot of pride in it. Um, and and use that to kind of say, look, there will be brighter days in the future. He he was able to do it. We're going to keep his memory alive. We're gonna we're gonna build this program back up again. Uh, I agree with you. I think I think that would be a nice tribute to Coach for all the work that he put in over the years to to build that South program up there. Well, on the other side of Nashua, you got Nashua North. Uh, so that's question eleven. A um, little bit of a different question here too. Uh, well, well, I should maybe I'll preface this by saying I think. In early January, I texted you. I had been going through the list of Division One recruits uh, on Inside Lacrosse, uh, and I came across guys from three different programs in New Hampshire. This was in January. That might I think this might have changed. Um, so bear with me here. January or maybe December, somewhere in there. Um, I said there were three programs from New Hampshire that had Division One kids from the class of 2023. Kids that had signed this senior class. I gave you BG, I gave you Derryfield. I said, "Who was the third one?" And and you stumped me for a minute. I, I, I had it, and, <laughs> and, and and I'm ashamed to admit it because I had I had Jack Peters on on uh, my Under Armour team um, before, and uh, yeah, I mean, Jack is an incredible athlete. Uh, UMass commit gonna probably be probably be a a D midi for them, um, but at the level that we're playing at in New Hampshire, again, high level. As an athlete like that with stick skills, he's going to be a dynamic offensive force this year um, for them. Um, I, I would a little bit like like maybe Nate Levine was. Yes, at Wyndham. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Similar similar type build, similar athlete. Um, you know, and I think it'll be interesting. You know, not to go off on a tangent, but Nate's been used in a lot of different ways since he went to Syracuse last year. They had him on the crease on man up. Uh, they had him playing D midi, and now he's evolved into a long pole for them at Syracuse. There, oh, wow. so you know, interesting, really cool story arc. You know, again, it, it kind of shows that look, being an athlete first will allow you a lot of doors to be open for you there. And, and you know, yes, it's really great to have great stick skills and IQ and all that kind of stuff. But for guys that want to be multiple sport athletes, um, working on your athleticism will will pay dividends in the end and, and open a lot of doors for you. You got to have in this day and age, you do have to have all three. You got to have the IQ, your stick skills, and you got to be an athlete if you want to play at, at lacrosse at the highest levels. I think you know in the latest version of, of Webster's dictionary, I think actually if you look up athlete, it's just a picture of Jack Peters. I <laughs> I, I, I mean I'm I, I haven't checked my, yet myself, but I, that's the rumor I've heard. Um, I mean the kid. The kid I, I can't say enough about it. I mean, he's a standout in football. Probably could have gone and played football in college somewhere. Maybe not as high level, you know, as UMass Amherst that he is in lacrosse. You know, he's been a starter on the basketball team, you know, made the Final Four each of the last two years. Um, so my question is, can Jack Peters get Nashua North into a playoff spot? I think I think it's it's a tricky situation, right? You have you, it's very easy as a coach to say, "Look, we're just going to feed Jack the ball all the time, right? We're going to try and get him out there." The danger with that is every team knows everyone knows, player, yeah, everyone right? knows and, that. And if you set him up like that, right, and he's trying to do everything himself, um, you, you're bound to put him in a situation where he's going to be more prone to injuries, right, or he's just going to be exhausted, right? So I think um, can he get them in alone? No, he can't. Um, I well, I should I shouldn't say that because there may be games <laughs> there where he be, there, there may yeah. be enough, they may sure. be able to win enough games where he takes over and does that. And I think there will be times he'll have to take over, but for them to truly have success, um, he, they're going to have to develop some other guys to take a little. So when he does draw a double team, right, somebody has to be able to find themselves to be able to get open, catch the ball, and be able to put it in the back of the net. Guys have to be able to play defense. Somebody's got to be able to take faceoffs. Um, you know, he's got to get some rest. 
you know, he's got to be able to rest somewhere on the field. He can't. I don't do know. Everything. I I don't know. You I don't know if he needs rest. There, I, I mean, watching him and watching him play other sports. I I mean, it's. I, I mean, of course he needs rest, but all yeah, forty eight minutes is a tough task. He's but, he's got a motor. Uh, uh, he definitely he definitely does, and I think he again gives him to gives him a puncher's chance in every game. Um, it's definitely a player that you know uh, every team's got to account for when they're on the field, and does get you know if there are some guys that have developed stick skills and lacrosse IQ, gives him an opportunity to have success because you know he is he's going to draw a double and triple team every time he touches the ball. Um, so those guys just have to, you know, the coach has to run the offense to get those guys in positions that when Jack does draw those, those double teams that they're going to be open and be able to catch and score. You know, he's got, a, 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 I guess, a, a running partner in, in Alec Jenkerson coming back with him who's, who's been, a, I believe, a varsity player for a couple of years now, has some experience. And I would, I would assume, um, you know, his younger brother, Luke, um, you know, was also on football, basketball. Imagine he's also playing lacrosse as well. Um, he's another another one that's doesn't seem to stop, you know, and 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 you know looks like he's following in his his big brother's footsteps. So um, it's possible, yeah, but it's going to take. You're like you said, it's going to take a lot, a lot for yeah. For guy, to guys that. have to step up around around him. He can't be he can't be a one man show. But it, it's again a nice piece to have to start with. All right, last question. Question number twelve. How tough? Oh, we mentioned last week that that Salem uh, was unfortunately still looking for a coach um, going into um, at least the last week before for uh, tryouts started. Um, looks like they do have one. Um, a name you might remember. Yeah. A name you might write. Do you remember it? The- it sounded familiar when I when I saw it, um, but I'm not. I'm, I'm sure you're going to say it, and I'll probably. Oh yeah, okay. Colby Larson, mm-hmm. uh, standout from Wyndham, played it played at Riv. He was back. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly when he graduated. It would, Mid uh, mid 2010, okay. okay. um, helped to build the pro helped to build the program at Wyndham. At the time, was definitely the guy, kind of like a Jack Peters, kind of the guy that when you played Wyndham, you were you were keying on Colby. You knew that you had to shut him down, or else it was going to be it was going to be a long day. Um, you know, ready ready to go. Emailed me the other day. He got hired. Literally, we had the we had the coaches meeting last week on Wednesday. And he was a new hire since then. So in less than a wow. week, in less than a wow. week, they, they brought him in. Um, were able to just, I think, was just able to get in to get practices started on Monday. I'm assuming they practiced on Monday. So my que- the question is, how tough does that make things going? I mean, when you're coming on that late, um, I mean, you got to get to, you got to meet the guys first. Do you have a coaching staff? Do you, yeah. Do, do you, you have, have a coaching staff? So, helping you? so how yeah. tough? How far behind? Does that put Salem going into that first week of practice? Um, hard to tell without being there, but I, I, I don't think it helps for sure. Um, you know, you do, you know, and I don't know how familiar he was with the with the roster they return. Um, you know, and they they do have some they do have some tough games right in the beginning. They're going to have to prepare for a Dover team that's likely going to play his own. You know, you got to get you got to get an offense ready for that. You got Pinkerton and BG within that first couple weeks there. Uh, you got Wyndham. You're at Wyndham. You know, coming up after that, and then and then the schedule and then the schedule. There are some there are some winnable games. You know, I, for them, I think luckily some of the teams that they're going to have to compete with for a playoff spot, they get them more on the back end. Um, having Dover right away doesn't doesn't help them, but having a lot of the other games that they need to win on the back half of their schedule, I think gives them a little bit time to figure some things out. Right to to figure out you know who are my guys that that I can uh, that I can rely on and lean on a little bit there and hopefully hopefully gives coach a little bit of time to put together a staff too. I I'm saying that without knowing, you know, do they have assistants that were returning that maybe couldn't step up as a head coach um, you know, but yeah, it definitely definitely puts them at a disadvantage, but it's great. It's, you know, we were getting nervous there that you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't have a head coach. Right. Yeah. I and then I mean, it's that's the opposite situation where we're used to hearing about is usually there's not enough players and and that's you know, I, I, what do you do if there's? I mean, does the maybe the AD comes out and says, you know, I, I guess I'm just. Gonna... I was just gonna say, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe Scott has to come out and uh, and coach the boys lacrosse team. Um, but you know, I, I I'm glad it didn't come to that. I'm glad they didn't just have to to grab a, a parent off the sideline and, and do that. And and to find a quality coach like Colby this late in the game is uh, is not easy to do. Um, I know a lot of schools still still looking for assistance and and even middle school coaches right now. A lot of a lot of schools have now have middle school programs, um, and which is great, but it's hard to find coaches at two thirty, three thirty in the afternoon um, that have nothing to do to be able to come out and help. All right. Well, 
Uh, we made it through our, our dozen dozen burning questions. Uh, I, I like that, Joe. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. I think you know we were still able to get a lot of names in there, a lot of we'll be able to recognize a lot of kids and programs. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought that was fun. Well, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how we do this with 20 teams next <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah, I, I don't know if we can make it through 20 questions. Um, we, we may have to do. Uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, fi- we'll figure it out. We got it. We got a little while to. to All right, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave you to come up with a dairy field question. Right, I'm not questioning my own team. So you got. Right, I will come, come up, up with the question and I will come up with the answer. How's and that? the answer, answer too. Sure. Oh, perfect. Sure. Why not? Um, I don't. Any other thoughts to to add on before we wrap up for the week? Uh, just excited to be back in lacrosse season. It feels like it, it flew by, and um, you know the off season flew by. We're in it now. We're actually we're we're heading out to Syracuse on Thursday. Here we're going to do a little team trip out there, do a little bonding. We have a, an alumni, Max Horton, out out at Hobart, um, and they're playing Syracuse in the dome this weekend. Excited to see that. We're going down to Colgate, uh, view a practice there. Um, hoping to get my hoping to get my alma mater a win against Bucknell. They need it right now. They're they've been reeling the last couple of weeks. So we're a lot of one and two goal games. We're gonna try and get them over the hump with a little extra support. All right. Uh, and then we're going down to the Onondaga Iroquois Reservation to uh, to see Alfie Jocks and uh, one of the last remaining wooden stick makers. Um, so it should be a fun should be a yeah, fun that weekend. Sounds like a good yeah. Maybe a little laser trip, tag yeah. in there. Some escape oh, rooms. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, you know. yeah. Oh, the escape. Oh, I did one of those for the first time last year. How'd you do? Yeah, I was, I, how dominated. I, I don't know if I dominated, um, but it was a lot of fun. It is. I think. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, yeah. anyway, long story short, excited for the season. Um, you know, and and excited to see the storylines we come up with for D two next week. Yeah, yeah. That'll. Uh, well, I'm gonna have to. It'll be a marathon. Uh, marathon questioning. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for us uh, for this week. Thanks again for everybody for listening. Thanks to Prolax Customs for for sponsoring the show once again this year. Uh, Chris, thank you for for. Uh, having answers to so many of those questions, <laughs> um, you know, and and I'm looking forward. Yeah, definitely looking forward to what what uh, what we're gonna have for next week for uh, for a 20 team uh, division two. Can't wait, Joe. I can't yeah, wait. Right. Can't wait to give some more bulletin board material for division <laughs> two to to laugh me at. He is uh, Dairyfield boys lacrosse coach and AD Chris Hetler. I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next week.